You're listening to Martin Wolf's podcast from the Financial Times. Energy security and climate change are two of the most significant challenges confronting humanity. What we see in response is the familiar capture of policymaking by well-organised special interests. A superb example is the flood of subsidies for biofuels. These are farm programmes masquerading as answers to energy insecurity and climate change. Not surprisingly, they have the depressing characteristics of such programmes. High protection, open-ended support to producers and indifference to economic rationality. Already, the supporting members of the Organisation for Economic Cooperation and Development costs about $13 billion to $15 billion a year. But this sum generates much less than 3% of the overall supply of liquid transport fuel. To bring the biofuel share to 30%, as some propose, would cost at least $150 billion a year, and probably more as marginal costs rose. Someone needed to take a close look at the rationality of all these supports. An excellent report from the Global Subsidies Initiative of the International Institute for Sustainable Development does just that. It does not tell a pretty story. Policy is extraordinarily complex. It can also be highly irrational. Brazil is, for example, by far the most efficient supplier of bioethanol, but confronts tariffs of at least 25% in the US and 50% in the European Union. A smaller example of irrationality is the advantage given to production of so-called flexible fuel vehicles in US corporate average fuel efficiency standards. Because the fuel economy credit is biggest for the least energy-efficient models, manufacturers concentrate on producing sport utility vehicles and light trucks. Yet almost all the drivers of these vehicles use ordinary petrol. The overall result is greater consumption of petrol, not less. The cost of support per litre of ethanol varies between 29 US cents and 36 cents per litre in the United States and a dollar in the European Union. Support for biodiesel varies between 20 US cents per litre in Canada and a dollar in Switzerland. But the cost of petrol in terms of equivalent energy units is only 34 US cents and of diesel is only 41 US cents. Thus, the subsidy to biofuels is often greater than the cost of the fossil fuel equivalents. Not surprisingly, the production costs of subsidized biofuels are also generally much higher than the fossil fuel equivalent. Does this costly shift to biofuels at least deliver reductions in net emissions of greenhouse gases? Not by as much as one might suppose is the answer. The net greenhouse gas emissions of expensive European rapeseed oil-based diesel are a mere 13% less than those of conventional diesel. Similarly, net emissions from U.S. corn-based ethanol are only 18% less than conventional petrol. This highly subsidized source of demand is also having a big impact on demand for foodstuffs. In 2007, for example, the increase in U.S. demand for corn-based ethanol will account for more than half of the global increase in demand. Much the same is true for U.S. and E.U. use of soybeans and rapeseed in biodiesel. The rising price for food is, of course, good for producers. It's dreadful, however, for consumers, particularly for those in poor food-importing countries. Increased production of biofuels also adds stress on existing land and water supplies. 
Is it possible to justify this cornucopia of complex and expensive subsidies, mandates and protectionist measures? No, but that does not stop people from trying. Indeed, they point to a host of different and often changing justifications, as is too familiar from the history of farm policies. Here are just five of them. Rationalisation 1. Biofuel subsidies reduce farm support payments. But in fact, US evidence strongly suggests that these subsidies have been piled on top of existing farm subsidies, not replacing them. Rationalisation 2. Mandating biofuels will lower petrol prices. But it is obviously mad to try to lower the price of a commodity by subsidising the production of even more expensive alternatives. Rationalisation 3. Subsidising biofuel is an efficient way to reduce reliance on risky fossil fuels. But biofuels are, under current technologies, complements to, rather than substitutes for, fossil fuels, and are also vulnerable to their own risks of weather and disease. Rationalisation 4. Subsidising biofuel is an efficient way to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. According to the report, however, the cost of eliminating a tonne of carbon dioxide equivalent through biofuels varies from a low of about $150 to as much as $10,000. Even the lower of these figures exceeds almost all estimates of the marginal benefits of reducing a tonne of emissions. It certainly much exceeds the cost of many alternative ways of doing so, including energy efficiency. Rationalisation 5. Subsidies are only needed to establish the infrastructure. But, if biofuels are to be competitive, it will be unnecessary to subsidise the infrastructure. Investors can do that for themselves. This, then, is a classic farm programme, a costly system of transfers looking for a rationale, or, as the report puts it, the bewildering array of incentives that have been created for biofuels in response to multiple and sometimes contradictory policy objectives bear all the hallmarks of a popular bandwagon aided and abetted by sectional vested interests. So what should be done? Here are some simple negative suggestions. Eliminate increasingly popular, because apparently costless, mandates to use specific quantities of biofuels, since these shift all the risk of fluctuations in demand and supply of foodstuffs onto their use as food. Discipline the stacking of subsidies on one another, and eliminate all open-ended supports for production before these become impossible to reverse. Here also are some positive ideas. Define the objectives and instruments of policy more precisely, in terms of the overall goals of energy security and reductions in emissions of greenhouse gases. Create a single global price of carbon that governs all activities. Make producers compete for any support that is offered. Let the markets decide on sale of flexible fuel vehicles and indeed the energy efficiency of vehicles, and above all, move to free trade in biofuels. We should at least try to learn from painful experience with a century of farm policies. I know that is naive, but is it impossible to respond to the big challenges of energy policy and climate change by applying a little intelligence for a change? Thank you for listening. To read Martin Wolf's columns online, please go to www.ft.com forward slash wolf.